Hey guys, and welcome to Jen and Sam Make a Movie. Today we are here with comic book illustrator and storyboard artist, James Burton. How's it going, everybody? And of course, our writer, Jen Finelli. Hey there. We're really excited about having James on the podcast today because he's had a lot of experiences um, from his time living in Reno, which was apparently terrible, um, about how... He's had a lot of very bad experiences. We're not excited about his bad experiences, but we're excited that he's come to talk with us about how you can avoid being scammed during your indie film career. So he, we were talking online the other day because we met through the comics community, um, mm-hmm. and you were telling me, James, um, about a way you got screwed over by actually a, a kind of a big name in the indie film industry. Um, you said you didn't want to name any names on the podcast, so we won't. But let's tell us a little bit about that story. Uh, well, the story that I had is that there were multiple projects that I had worked on with indie filmmakers. And when I had started over, it was after surviving cancer. So I was really just trying to look for any job that I could do that would uh, begin building up my art career again. It, I had taken a break on it for a while. So I was willing to trade the whole exposure for, you know, instead of profit for the first few projects, Um, which I think everybody has to do. And I think the problem is, is when people don't realize when to stop doing that or when when things have gotten too far. Um, We made uh, I storyboarded a movie that didn't get made. Then I storyboarded a movie that did get made. And the movie that got made ended up in massive litigation. And the only person that really knows the story behind that would be my co-creator. When it got tied up with other people tying up the project and according to him, the story was that uh, the people had stolen it and that they were going to be in litigation, that the editor and the, and the publisher had made all these plans to, <clears throat> make the film more complicated and that they embezzled money from the person that was funding the program and all this other stuff. So it got really complicated. Um, I was one of the few people who got paid on that project, but it was right after that where my my situation started getting uh, not ideal when it came to working with uh, him. What had happened is every single time we were on a film project, there was a bunch of people that just didn't want to work with him anymore or and, and, or he didn't want to work with them. Every single project we were on, there was always somebody. And those are kind of red flags that there's that many arguments, that there's that many problems. Um, but the way I looked at it is, hey, project's a project, and I kept trying to move my feet and kept working on stuff. And when that film got finished but fell apart in post i kind of said to him i was like well you could always do a comic project and you wouldn't have to deal with all these people and that was kind of a mistake because we'd started working on a project together and i had kind of put down what my expectations were that i would put in this much work and i would do this x y and z and I soon realized why so many people were having a lot of difficulty working with him. The difficulties started coming in the form of control issues. It started coming in the form of, uh, I think probably the worst one was when I had got us set up with a publisher and we were in a meeting with the publisher and he started talking to them about what the book was going to be. 
I had been very clear in the very beginning and said, hey, I'm going to be signing on to make six books and at 22 pages a piece. And if you're up for this and this is what we can do, it'll take us about a year and then I can go on to my other projects. And that was our agreement. But he told the publisher I was going to make 27, 40 to 50 page books. And I Dang. didn't say yeah, anything. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's whoa, dead silence. That's yeah. a really big difference. It, it is a big difference, and I didn't stop the meeting like right where it stood. And I think that was kind of a mistake on my part, because honestly, when you're talking about situations like this, everybody's going to run into somebody who wants to take advantage of them to a point. And it doesn't matter what creative field it's going to be. There's always people trying to make their dream come true. And sometimes they step on other people to do that. Everybody's going to run into it. It's more about what you do to defend yourself when that stuff happens or to prepare or see it coming, I think is the most important part. And in my case, go ahead. And these were books that were going to be turned into films? The, the idea was that we were going to finish the story arc, which in the end would be a very large graphic novel, and that the step after that would be to get it into film. We were Because we both had contacts that were in the independent film community, we were already reaching out to people, letting them know what we were working on, which is one of the things that attracted the two different publishers that wanted to work with us. And we were selling. The book was beautifully written. It, we sold it out at every convention we went to. We won an art award at the Art on Film Festival for it. Um, it really started off great when it comes to that part. Um, and we were attracting a lot of attention. Well, and you had, you guys had both had, he at least had certainly, well, you, you've mentioned also, but he'd also had previous experience also with films. So, like it was very believable that this was going to become a film after you guys finished with the book. Yeah, that was the, that was the goal. Um, but what really, what really went wrong is when, when I had drawn that line in the sand very early on and he had already like overdone it. I thought I think it was a sign of everything that was about to happen. Um, after that, the scripts kept coming at 35 to 50 pages a piece. No, not a single script stayed at 20, which is what I'd signed on for. Um, I ended up lettering some of the books and then started refusing to letter the books because there were so many changes. On one of the books, for example, after I was completely finished, we are talking. I inked it. It was lettered. Everything was done. Uh, he gave me back a list of notes with 107 changes. Yeah. That's that's a lot. Um, he, he, he really treated it like he was a showrunner, and I should have stopped it earlier on and, and made my, my needs very clear. And because I was friends with him and I wanted – I had high hopes for the project. I kind of let him run with the lead thinking that I could educate him on – how the industry worked on that level so that we could get to the Mayan goal of what the project was. But uh, his, his dreams and his goals were on a very different level and we couldn't make it, we couldn't make the two things work. And so so at some point you must've had, at some point you, you had an agreement and was that agreement in writing? I don't remember if you said you had a contract. Here we get to the part where I probably made my biggest mistake. Um, I had asked that we set up a contract several times and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll get to it later. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll get to it later. Oh, okay. So look, here's the deal. Anytime you ask for somebody to do a contract and they say that you have a huge problem. Yeah. Um, 
I, I when we were working with our publisher, I negotiated with them for three months to get our contract set up. And it was a long contract that we both agreed on, and it was a good contract that let us both have exits, and it was amicable to everybody. And um, that when there were problems, I found out later that my co-creator had, was having problems with a lot of people in the publishing company. Some of those reasons were justified. Some of them were uh, probably not so much justified. But when the problems began, they used the contract that uh, he and I had written to exit from us. And um, right about that same time is when I wanted to exit the project too. We'd agreed that we'd we would set up something uh, because I was not going to stay on the project forever, which I had made clear multiple times. And when it came time for us to negotiate, that is when the absolute worst of the situations even began. All the frustration that had built up between us over the changing of the stories, the changing of the, the the scripts way beyond what I was ever willing to do and all those other things. They just kept compacting, kept compacting. And when it was time for me to leave and we were talking about exit percentages and whatnot, the conversation got very ugly very quickly. Um, he had set up what his suggestion was and in the contract, he wanted me to sign something that said he was responsible for my visuals, which, um, so he wanted to take creative control, basically, of your art. He he wanted to take not only just creative control, he also wanted to take creative credit. He wanted me to sign a piece of paper that said he was my art director. Yeah. It doesn't work that way in comics. No. It doesn't. And he wanted that line very clearly drawn as well as he asked me to do a 10% net share and even write off that he was willing – that his expenses would be paid for even including out of my net percentage. Um. When I asked for a gross percentage, I would describe his reaction as emotional, and that's what I mean. When you guys are entering into a contract with anybody, um, you, guys, you guys have heard that phrase, good fences mean good neighbors. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's an old, it's an old saying, and it's, it's the same thing with contracts. Um, if you're going to enter into a partnership with somebody, it needs to be nice and clear, and it needs to include an exit clause that both parties can be happy with. And if you don't do it, not only are you risking your friendship, which, by the way, is absolutely a terrible thing to risk, and I did and did lose, but you're also risking all of the work that you put into it. The project is now completely dead um, out of spite instead of being willing to negotiate with me on a gross percentage. He shut the project completely down and... We both had to have different words. I had to get um, legal representation involved, among other things. And you had told me in the end that you ended up not getting paid for a bunch of storyboards related <clears throat> to the oh, future yeah. film, related to the future film, and then a whole bunch of comics related to the actual comic project. Um, so it ended up it ended up not being good. But you've given us basically five things that we can. So five quick things that we can. Um, right now delineate for all the filmmakers who are listening. So oh, yeah. for the, for all of you guys who are catching up, um, first thing was people leaving somebody is red flags. That's thing one. People having a lot of problems is red flags. Thing two, previous litigations is another red flag. Thing three that James mentioned, have a written contract. Good fences mean good neighbors. Thing four, clarify right away problems, even if they're your friend. So like right there in that publishing company meeting, clarify. And then thing five so far have an exit clause. Did I summarize the tips more or less so far? 
I think those clauses are experts as well as I would say the last thing is educate yourself on what you're worth as well. Now I have experience. Then I didn't know what to charge for the storyboards. I didn't know what to charge for creating all of the ads. I didn't know what to charge for a lot of those things. And I was doing them on the fly. And since then, I've come to understand that the workload that we were doing, that my workload was worth more of 85% of what we were doing, not 50, which I had actually negotiated. Well, yeah, for comics, that's... And I think most writers know that. Any writer who's tried to sit down and draw something... <laughs> it, it takes it takes a very long time, um, de- depending mm. depending on the project, obviously. Um, oh yeah. So so you were you were about to say also something else um, more financially related, as far as financially related to the storyboards for the film. Yeah, with with the storyboards, the what I was trying to say is that I I got paid for one of the pro for two of the projects. One of them I drastically underbid, which is completely on me. Um, the other one I got paid for, that's the one that ended up in legal litigation. Um, however, there were two other projects that he was working on. Uh, one of them, I basically boarded the first, like, I don't know, like the first 45 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. as well as the concept art and all of that. And I was also fool enough, fool enough, uh, foolish enough to sign uh, an agreement with him that basically said that if the movie got sold as a pitch package, then I would get paid for it. It was like $8,000 worth of storyboards after I sat down and, and invoiced it. It was a massive amount, and I did that on spec. Yeah. So, and you were, um, you said it was foolish of you to sign uh, a, a, a deferred agreement? You think you should have gotten paid up front? Is that what you're saying, basically? I think that if you're working on a project that you should have a kind of a cap on how far you're going to go on spec. And, uh, well, so now we're dealing with language from, that. from two different industries, right? Cause so now we're talking about, um, cause on spec versus deferred payment on spec is within the comics industry, Sam, um, something where you work like it's, it's like on speculation. It's like you're working to see if you'll work out and then you may get paid, Later on, if they decide, it's a little. It's actually a little floozier than um, deferred payment. Um, deferred. It's payment. like a test, basically. Yeah, if it, I like you. exactly. Okay. Whereas <clears throat> deferred payment um, is supposed to be that there is a an end date, right, where you will get paid for this, depending on. Um, it. De- um, actually, you know, you know the deferred payment terms better than I do, since you've got a more background in film, Sam. Yeah, it can be vague. Sometimes it's if the film sells. Sometimes it's just yeah. at a set point. Deferred's probably the better term for it after you've after you've described it. Um, I, I'm working with some independent guys now on a bunch of other projects up here in Rockland. Totally different group of people, and it is not going like this. Not even like a little bit. It's it's much more. Hey, we're going to do a pitch package. We need a handful of images. Are you willing to do this? Everything's up front, and um, it, it's a much smaller design. Nobody's trying to change the planet. Um, with what they are doing, they're trying to create small things and build their build their projects one thing at a time instead of uh, you know telling everybody they're working on Gone with the Wind. Yeah, well, because like a positive version of deferred payment, for example, is if you have any filmmakers, for example, who um, you have a low budget and you don't have the money yet, you haven't done a crowdfunding up front, and you don't have the money yet to pay people for doing your advertising mm-hmm. thing. So then you make a, a deal, right, saying that as soon as you get X amount of money, that amount of money goes to goes to person or whatever, right? But it's like yep. if you do a deferred payment plan, then you have to have a very good 
you, you have to have a very clear contract so that everybody understands um, what's going on. So you're not, obviously, the deferred payment plan is not supposed to be like, okay, I do two years worth of work. Because you, you mentioned a whole, a lot of, of art, right? That's many, many hours. It's like, I'm not going to do 300 hours of work and then not, not be paid. <laughs> Well, and that's that's where the two things are different. When I was talking about the two years of the work, that was the work on the comic, where oh, I yeah. would all the all the money we were making on the comic, we I would put into an account. And while we were doing those things and trying to build that up so that we could buy more books and so that we could work with the publisher, get advertising, that kind of stuff. In that amount, uh, when we were making money inside of that, he would do things like spend it on a publicist when the websites weren't ready or or you know just aim it in different ways like go to new york when we didn't need to go to new york mm. when we needed to focus on you know what our next print run was going to be that kind of thing um the the deferred payment was the storyboarding issue where i what you guys are talking about with that it, it totally makes sense to you know work on a project with somebody that you trust and get a deferred stuff that that's set up but i worked on that project for like nine months or so and then made a massive amount of work for it. Yeah. I mean, 45 minutes is a lot. I, I went way too far. Like yeah. I took it way too far. I literally made an animatic one day of the thing just to like show how far we had gotten with it and um, handed all that artwork off to him. It was so long and so much of the film. And that's what I mean. Uh, and they were... I would say a lot of them were quick storyboards and whatnot, but just I would say make sure that you you kind of have a limit to how far you're going to go on deferment. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm saying, you know, because yeah. everybody's got projects that they got to run, and there's going to be situations where you're going to have to do a deferment or you're going to have to work with somebody on an indie project just to get your name out there and get your experience. I'm just saying that knowledge and understanding of that industry is a key factor where obviously my independent film knowledge is kind of limited and I, I let some of those things go on way farther than I, I should have. Well, and also because deferred payment is supposed to be guaranteed, like you're actually supposed to get paid. It really does sound like what he did to you is kind of like more of a on-spec kind of situation, even though like he didn't, or you guys probably when you signed it didn't call it that. I mean, it is kind of like he looked and watched what you could do and then decided whether or not, you know, things would, would move forward. Um, well, a lot of indie films don't necessarily make any money. So a lot of people, especially talent, will get paid deferred. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just the filmmaker saying, look, we want to sell this thing. We don't know how it's going to go. If it's gonna, we're going to shop around to film festivals. If we make money, we'll pass some of that along to you. What other people should keep in mind, crew, who are um, thinking about signing on to projects uh, that are being paid deferred, you should make sure that that filmmaker has a good accounting system in in place, uh, that they have uh, a reputable, ethical a, a third party who's watching that money and say, look, OK, you've hit that threshold. Because what a lot of uh, filmmakers can do, not just because they're you know evil, but because, you know, they're not good at keeping track of money is, you know, uh, the film makes a certain amount of money and they just forget to pay people. Um, which is weird, yeah. Well, and there's also a difference between um, deferred payment for, like, bonuses, which is something that we discussed, um, versus, like, paying people for the actual, um, just the base work, too. Which is, so, like, for for our leads, we were going to make, we were, the payment was not deferred. We were crowdfunding for the for the payment. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a... 
I think I think this is t- basically two more things that you guys have both brought up then um, is making sure that there's a third party involved to kind of protect you and realistic goals. It sounds like James, the guy that you worked with was kind of like that's kind of a, another red flag. Like, right. He kept thinking, oh, I, I can pay for this now or I'm going to do this with the money now. Um, yeah. Very, like realistic kind of goals. Head is in not the in sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a, that, those two words if you if you even said those two words to him he'd be like no we're changing the world and you're like no dude we're just we're trying to get stuff done it's not the same thing you know so it, the realistic goals is definitely something i would i would you know you gotta you gotta crawl before you can walk you can't just jump off a cliff it just doesn't work that way <laughs> yeah um sam you were mentioned i don't know if you wanted to mention different payment structures as well because i've learned a lot um going through this process with you about payment structures in film and then james you can comment on um yes, ma'am. on some of these too um so yeah samantha i don't know what else I don't know what else to talk about other than deferred. <laughs> Defer- yeah, just watch out how you manage your deferred payment. Uh, well, I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about what you were talking the other day about the about kind of what I touched on, the bonus structures and things like that. Um, that is not – that's not typical. It's totally random. Yeah. Well, I you think, don't want to be DC Comics, remember? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that's a valid thing. Okay. I, maybe it's not typical. Okay, fine. I'm just going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I thought that it was important – um, Be vague, please, because we don't have anything. We were just starting to talk with a lawyer, James, about this kind of stuff. Yes. Because um, we haven't, we've cast for our main leads, but not for, well, for for most of our No, cast, we've, we've, on, we've mostly open. only cast for our main leads, leads. We have only cast for our main leads. Um, I'm, I'm angry at somebody else. <laughs> the, um, so our, uh, one of the things we talked about is, so what if you do your payment up front, right, for your creators, um, and you pay that your actors and your storyboard artists and everybody else, but then you end up, your film ends up being way more successful than you expect. You end up making a gazillion dollars. Um, who, so does the producer stick with all that money? And apparently the normal response is yes, unless you're a major Hollywood actor who's got a really good lawyer who made you gay royalties or something like that, because most indie film um, projects can't afford to keep an accountant on long term, but we talked about balancing between that, right? So we we'll see if we can do this. Um, but giving people, <coughs> like giving the crew and our um, artists <coughs> a little bit of like a bonus written in, maybe we have to talk about this written into their contracts if we end up making more than a certain amount, and that incentivizes them to then be publicists of the movie. Um, when it comes out so that it will make more. Um, and so this, and I, and cause we talked about DC comics, how they, they like paid the, um, guys who made Superman like a tiny little bit and then they held all the rights and then they ran away and made a gazillion dollars in an empire. Um, which is kind of well, weird and gross to me. Well, when you get into the comics side of things and you're mentioning the Schusters and stuff, um, those situations, I know you said before that they weren't evil. Those situations are in the evil category. You're talking about all the stuff that was done to Bill Finger and Jack Kirby. And uh, there were work-for-hire contracts that were just absolute, I am paying you $10 an hour. This is all you are getting, yeah. and you will do this, and I am your boss. That's the end of the story. If you sign a contract like that, and you're working with somebody in that mode, and you put yourself there – then you kind of have to understand that you did that willingly. Now, the people who are willing to write contracts like that 
and not give percentages up to their creators, even if they're small percentages, so that if something does explode, they get a piece. I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Like on the contracts I was working on with him, um, we had talked about what if that happened. And I'd made it very clear that I wanted, because I was doing character designs, that I wanted like a, a very small token percentage just in case that happened. And those were always part of the conversation. But once again, every time it was time to ask about a contract, yeah. you know, those things, they didn't pine out. Or, for example, um, signing on to net contracts are very vague. Um, a couple of the indie film guys I work with down here, they were on a project in Los Angeles a few years ago where they had signed some net percentage contracts, and they promoted the heck out of the film. And they helped make it. They went to film festivals, all this other stuff, and it never got sold. And they basically banked everything on getting a percentage of, of the thing being picked up. Um, and they put you know three years of work into that film. And it soured them on it a great deal. And now they structure things differently, where the projects they're currently on, it's more like not only do you have to audition in, but right now it's more like an acting troupe where everybody kind of contributes to it and then everybody's like splitting the pot, so to speak. So you, so can you explain a little bit more about that model? Because we've talked about three different models now because we've talked about net percentage, just getting everything at the end, um, depending on the percentage of the project. Pro- the um the profits we've talked about deferred payment which is a set amount at the end and now you've mentioned this other style um which is interesting so everybody's investing or talk to us a little bit about that sounds neat well i'm not that in depth into it because when i work with them i'm doing storyboards and and a, a piece of i'm not i've done some character designs but i'm not one of the actors so i haven't gone really deep into it the way I understand it is that you know they they had they held their auditions and X number of people auditioned, and the best people were selected. And the people knew going into the auditions that because it was a uh, the budget was where the budget was at, that they are running it like an acting troupe. They've also done some live performances like off Broadway stuff. And the acting troupe they do with that one, even though they had like a patron funding a portion of it, they would do some of that with the actors too. It kind of makes sure that everybody is kind of got a stake in it and then everybody understands where they're getting at and that everybody's going to get the percentage if they sell it and piece of the house or however you want to look at it um it, it, it's a model that the way they described it to me that is more common in live acting troops who are splitting house percentages mm, what were you going to say sam um you were going to comment on that right so the formal name of my production company is dead laurels media collective and I made that with the vision that, you know, it would be kind of like community theater, but for film, basically, um, where everyone's, you know, investing, everyone has a stake and everyone benefits in the end. So or like a co-op, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone sort of contributes and everyone reaps the benefits. The issue with that is, quite frankly, not everyone is as talented as everyone else. Not everyone has the time. Uh, Jen and I, I don't even want to think about how many hours we've put into just in pre-production. Oh, you uh, haven't making been logging film. it? <laughs> you no, haven't. I haven't been logging it. <laughs> Jen's going to bill me later. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Jen wrote wrote this film, so she's putting even more hours than me, you know, just us marketing. I mean, there was Wanting a time. You, you got to keep your contracts together. Otherwise, you're going to yeah. have problems later. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, we've we've got um we're not being paid hourly. We've got a we've got a uh, operating agreement uh, in place for the film, 
um, gotcha. that we have agreed to. But um, yeah, it, those sort of things in film get get tricky because not everyone has the same creative skill set. So you have to, you know, think about, you know, what does this person deserve? And sometimes people can surprise you with what they're willing, the work that they're willing to put in, right? Yeah, although to tell the truth, if we'd had um, the people, our team members who we have right now at the beginning, if we had met them a year ago, um, I think that it would not have been impossible to do that kind of model with them, giving them a slightly higher workload. And... um, and we would we could we'd have, we could have if we'd met them a year ago scale investments um, so like you and I would do like a I don't know a, what what are numbers forty forty <laughs> numbers yeah we you and I would do like a forty forty and they would do like a ten percent and ten percent okay um, you're just thinking about the leads and actors I'm thinking about like the extra twenty people who are going to come onto this project in next July when we start yeah running. but just talking yeah I'm just talking about like as far as like creating a troop right because yeah obviously we can't. Um, like you're saying, it depends on the talent, but you could theoretically have a model like that where you have some central members who just have higher percentages. Um, and like it would, it would be central members like, like those, those, the, our other current team members are very, very like high quality as far as like that kind of work that they're able to do. Whereas we have some not really team members who we wouldn't trust with that kind of investment rate who would be paid on like salary. It's not, it's not impossible. I think that your idea for a collective and based on what James is saying, like this has worked for other people in film. It's not impossible. I think down the road for maybe your next projects or something like that to find high quality people. It just has to be done way in a way ahead of time. Yes. I'm interested in learning if you are one of those people who have implemented a business model like that for film, please contact us because we are interested in hearing from you. Yay. So, James, any – so we have gathered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten – well, about nine um, total tips from you to give out to all our lovely people. Do you have any more closing tips before we wrap up? On how to avoid being screwed over. Mm. I guess the last thing is just being honest with yourself. I mean, I I was trepidatious long before I acted. And I just took too long. I should have said something way earlier. Trust your gut. Yeah, trust your gut because things got... I mean, things got personal. And that's kind of why I'm not mentioning who it was that I was working with. It's actually a name where... I knew, and I don't know. If, I'm not like Samantha knows everybody's names. Samantha like knows all about film. I was like, oh my goodness, I know that name, and I don't know anybody. So it's kind <laughs> of a big deal. Well, that person likes to make themselves sound like they are far bigger than they actually are, and he works very hard. <laughs> no, he look. He works. He works really hard on trying to make his dream a success. He completely does. I. I none of notice how none of this conversation is about work ethic. Okay. Yeah. It's not him. Him and I were good enough friends at one point that we both just kind of got too comfortable and didn't treat the situation business-like. And I think that was the problem But neither. I, I didn't treat it as just business. Like if somebody walks into a group of other people that you're going to be financially tied to and says that you are going to literally do 10 years of work, that's, really not something that you should just let go as an example that's something that i should have done you know none of this stuff was 
um, or let me rephrase that. My situation was not entirely on him. There were mistakes that I made like that one. And you have to be honest with yourself to understand those things. Uh, there were points where he was kind of getting the inclination that maybe I wasn't going to stay around on the project as long as he wanted. So he started trying to convince uh my wife to tell me to drop all my other projects and started trying to uh, tell my friends that his project was the only one worth it. And if he saw me talking to other publishers, like just at a convention or whatever, he get really wound up. Jealous boyfriend um, situation. <laughs> oh, it, well, yeah, but honestly, he, well, think about it for a second. He was probably understanding that I was getting upset about all these things before I was really being honest about them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And and he had every right to feel that way and every right to try to keep his project going um, or keep our project going. And that's one of the other that's that's that was definitely a problem. I, I, I blame myself for not being as forthcoming about my own goals and my own willingness and like drawing my line in the sand very, very clearly. I, I drew it, but I didn't back it up. And I, I should have had that contract out and I should have um, done all those things. And if I had it to do over again, right in the beginning, I would have said, here's what we're doing. Here's the contract. Here's how many pages and the rest of that. But I thought that my ability to work with him and educate him on mechanically on how we are working with would take care of it because we were friends. And um, I didn't put up that contract. I didn't do it that way. And I lost a friend as a result of it. That sucks, but that is a really good and sobering place to end as a warning for all of you indie people out there, both in comics and in film. Um, thank you very much for joining us. James, Samantha, did you want to close us out or any other comments? No, it's been great talking to you. Um, sorry that happened to you, and uh, absolutely, it's good for people to keep in mind. Um, Lawyers are expensive, but they're there for a reason. <laughs> and we yes, budgeted for a lawyer, lawyer, and you guys um, out there who are doing indie films should, when you are making your crowdfunding budget, should uh, try to budget for a lawyer as well. On that note, I hope you guys have a lovely, have a lovely day, night, or afternoon. Bye bye. Bye everybody. Bye.